Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 151. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Alistair Cook. And I'm Peter Hall. Welcome along, guys. Good to uh, good to have you on the show. And uh, Peter, your first time, so uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Now, just uh, just fill us in uh, where you fit into the uh, into the tech world. Into the tech world. Um, well, I am currently running an event that is uh, launching this weekend called Digital Nations, which is um, New Zealand's first digital entertainment expo. Woohoo! Sounds cool. <laughs> and Alistair. I uh, work in enterprise IT, and I run a uh, podcast around server virtualization, which is the V Brown Bag podcast. Excellent. Well, thanks again for uh, for being back on the show. Now, let, let's jump in. A few topics to talk about, uh, including, of course, digital nations. We'll, we'll come to that in a little while. Uh, now, first up, BlackBerry. Now, they've been in the media. They announced uh, late last week they had made a, uh, a loss in the last... Uh, Last quarter of close to a billion US dollars, uh, which is is kind of a, uh, a major amount of money for you know what is becoming a uh, a smaller business. Uh, a billion of, dollars. A billion US dollars. So yeah. basically, Grand Theft Auto made the money that they lost in one day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, no. And the, what did the sales of Grand Theft Auto work out at? Uh, twenty first twenty four hours was eight hundred million. But over the few over a few days, it went up to yeah. in the direction of three billion, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so you've got BlackBerry on one side losing a billion dollars over. Was that just for the quarter? But yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so some some big dollars there uh, now, but but also following that, we've now had the announcement that uh, BlackBerry have a um, an offer on the table from their uh, their biggest investor to uh, uh, to take them private, so for them to disappear off the stock exchange, four point seven billion dollar deal there that will uh, yeah return them into uh, into private ownership. So we won't see that uh, the stock price has dropped from its high of about $227 a share down to uh, today $8.82 a share. It's uh, a big fall from grace. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're talking, uh, you know, 5%, aren't you, in that sort of uh, region of the valuation, uh, yeah, um, or less of their, um, you know, their, their peak on the stock exchange. Well, I mean, it, it is interesting to see, and, and you've got to wonder with a company like BlackBerry, with, with Nokia and the Microsoft um, deal obviously happening earlier as well. Um, you know what the future for BlackBerry really is, and and actually what the future for Nokia is as well. I'm not entirely convinced about that one either. Um, I mean, I mean, can they? I don't know. Can they sustain it either way? I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think they uh, have been in that situation where they need to do what Microsoft did and, and throw away everything they've done in the past and build something completely new that matches current consumer expectation. They couldn't rest on having. BlackBerry Messenger, which was certified for security in a million ways, and then of course now yeah. Prism shows us that uh, that the uh, NSA could see everything anyway. Uh, we're no longer so sure there was any security in it. Well, I guess the difference that we see between BlackBerry and Windows Phone is that Windows Phone's growing in market share yeah. now, whereas BlackBerry's still going. In, well, in, I, yeah, in, I don't in, feel that BlackBerry have done way, that reinvent right. themselves the way that Microsoft have done to, to get that success, particularly. Well, in well maybe they just left it too late because Microsoft launched Windows Phone Seven in two thousand and ten. So we're talking, 
you know, three years ago, and it's really just been this year yeah. that, that we've seen the fresh you, start seen from, from, from BlackBerry. Well, I think that they're in a different situation. Windows is more of a they, – they've got the integration of a product range that, that actually makes sense. So for them, they're on so many different – you know, they've got the, the Windows 7 operating system and everything else, Windows 8, obviously, and then being able to shift that over and actually do it with hardware and phones makes sense. But the problem with BlackBerry is they've got one OS sitting on phones. Where are they going to go with it? Android's, you know, pretty much, you know, swamping them up. Market. Windows is getting up there when it comes to market share. Um, Apple's obviously strong, and they've got a strong connection between the iPad and the iOS 7 and you know being everywhere as well. So how do you survive with your own operating system that has no real breadth? I, yeah. I don't know. I think Can it's you? very hard. You, you, you need that ecosystem. Yeah. And you also need a business that's got deep pockets. And the issue with BlackBerry mm-hmm. is... They don't have a whole lot of other, you know, areas no. where they're making billions of dollars on other things no. to help them fund, uh, you know, make mobile work. Uh, that's all they've got. And uh, with a declining market share, it's pretty challenging. The one uh, good point on BlackBerry's front is they've got uh, BlackBerry Messenger launching for iOS and Android that should, should spread things out a little bit. Um, the only downside of that is they announced this uh, late last week and I remember getting some info through saying, yes, this is happening. And uh, and then I followed up to say, hey, where is it? I can't seem to find it. All I can see is sort of, you know, on, in the um, uh, Google Play Store, you always sort of get you know, dodgy versions yeah. of, of apps and so on that, uh, that appear that aren't the real thing. And it turns out that uh, there was a... Uh, a pre-release version of their app that did get leaked, installed on lots and lots of devices that was causing major problems with their servers, and so they've pushed the whole general availability of BlackBerry Messenger out by uh, uh, by a week or so, apparently. So, uh, so we're wow. still playing a waiting game to get hands on that. Uh, so, a little bit of a mess uh, there in the, in the midst of their good news about uh, uh, being bought out. Now, uh, iOS 7, that's, uh, of course, landed in, in the last, uh, last few days. Uh, any, uh, any thoughts on that, Alistair? Well, I uh, followed my, my children's advice and upgraded my, uh, my iPad mini. They, they both have iPhones and immediately upgraded. So when I came back from travel, they, they said, oh, you're behind the times, Dad, uh, which is not what I expect to hear from my children. And uh, I put the upgrade on, very smooth, easy, no, no loss of functionality. The new user interface feels a bit like a children's toy to me. Uh, it doesn't feel quite so business-oriented. I think it's the pastel colours and, and the, the swishy um, bits that might make it very desirable for consumers because I'm an old fuddy-duddy. <laughs> well, I think, I think you're right. It, it definitely, my girlfriend's got it on her phone. I've become, I used to be all Apple and now suddenly I'm, I'm all Samsung and, and kind of the googly side of things. But uh, what strikes me is they've innovated by taking the best features of Google Android, which apparently they allegedly are supposed to be leading the, the game. And what they've done is most of the things, things my girlfriend was showing me saying oh look at this menu i can i can now control my wi-fi on and off and i can do i'm like yeah that's that's pretty much what's been in android since day one so it's i don't know if it's an admission of yes we don't always know the best solutions of things and and we're quite willing to do our own interface make it look really cool but actually just rip off everybody else's functionality and put it in there or if it's you know a sign of you know how they see the market in general going well people are used to it so it's easier for people to adopt from an android phone into an iPhone. i don't know but it's mm. felt very Derivative, a, a, a de- derivative, and I didn't see the the innovation in there. You know, you look yeah. at it and you go, "It's not that much different." You, you wonder whether if, if Steve Jobs was still still with us and still at the helm, whether people would have been sacked for suggesting that this occur. And I, I see a couple <laughs> of the things that come out of Apple 
in the the last couple of years where I think well this this is things that Steve would have sent people packing for and would have demanded more and better and I suspect that's why we saw the drop in, in Apple's stock price after the announcement of the, the 5S and the 5C. Well, they, they were retreads. They were, I mean, the, the, the mantra and the, whatever structure he might have put in place, my biggest problem with that structure is I don't know if he thought that indefinitely they could keep going with this because clearly they cannot and I think they know that. They're going to have to come out with the six. They can't wait another year. Yeah, I mean, they do seem to have this sort of model of uh, you know doing the big the big product and then the yeah the the smaller change around hardware. Uh, but I mean, I, I've been using iOS seven too. I quite like it. Uh, you know, you're right. There are there are things, and I think we're seeing this across all platforms. Really, is is each platform you know if they see something that's good that they don't have, sure they're going to draw on that if they can work out a way that fits in with the way they operate to uh, you know to deliver that. And yeah, I think you know each one will will continue to draw on uh, on what the other ones are doing, uh, but it seems to work well. And certainly mm. the uh, you know mm. the new hardware, you know that just continues to uh, to step up. I don't think we're probably going to see uh, you know Apple sales numbers sort of decline or anything like that. I think the market's growing. Uh, they're continuing to sort of position themselves. Probably I think at the, that sort of premium end. Uh, I think there was that thought that hey, the five, uh, you know, the five C is going to be, you know, a lower cost device, but it's not. And uh, you know, they've proven by having high end devices, they can, you know, they can they can be a pretty profitable company. That is, is they would they, to- they would risk cannibalizing their their you know their profits really mm. if they release a you know a much lower cost device. They've always wanted to be a, a premium device, and I think that's that's through the, the whole product range. Is it's got to be a, a, an aspirational device, and you, you can't make a cheap aspirational device. But they, and, and the thing is, their whole the, the whole strategy, which isn't actually a bad one as well, is hand me hand me downs. Like it, it's the kids that we're seeing with the iPhones are using their dad's iPhone that he had because he got a new one through work that he paid for, and then he hands it to his kid or whatever. So their strategy is: why would we make a low one when we know that the dad's going to buy the new one and hand his old one? to his kid anyway and yes the, the kid isn't going to be there necessarily on the latest generation but even if they've got um, a 5 now they're going to be stoked figure that getting a, an iPhone 5 and and you know because your dad got an iPhone 5S that's awesome so I can see where they're going with it it's not it's not a bad strategy yeah I think I think it's working reasonably well for them they're still uh, they're still making profits that are that are out of this world, and and it's a sign of the you know the sales. I think they uh, they shared some some sales figures around uh, um, you know the 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 launch in the US and and various other markets, uh, New Zealand not included. Uh, of was it nine million nine million handsets sort of sold over the weekend, which I think was a was a record for them. Uh, so you know, although yeah, there was that sort of the the, the stock uh, price drop after uh, after the announcement. Uh, in reality, they're actually selling uh, they're selling truckloads of product. So yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think they're in too too bad a state. Well, I think the, the stock price doesn't necessarily reflect uh, in, anything specific about the company so much as, as uh, sentiment amongst the people who, who buy and sell the stock. I, I, I do wonder, though, if they are going to become a little bit more nimble because I know from hearing um, a few people that work within the Apple sphere, it feels like this was the first year they actually sensed a little bit of panic 
um, when they saw what Samsung was doing to them in the market. And I would argue that this might be the last year we see so... I, I, I wasn't blown away by the changes in the phones and they felt like they were kind of like meh. Um, evolution, not revolution, you know, all that kind of stuff. I wonder if from now on we'll see them close the gap and it might not be every other year. They might need to do more every year to keep on top of them because Samsung and HTC and these guys are just going to be hounding them down um, and trying to you know, be more nimble. True, but also we look across the industry, we're seeing the... You know, we talked about this before, sort of innovation curve that was very, very steep for a while, mm. sort of starting really to, uh, uh, you know, to flatten out. And when we see the differences across probably just about any vendor, uh, the differences that we saw, you know, two, three, four years ago and so on uh, between one product and the next, that's now starting to uh, reduce. That's true. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, other uh, other bits and pieces. Uh, now, Vodafone have uh, have been working globally on a um, on a new uh, payment uh, system, which uh, which utilises the near field communications capability that's built into uh, a lot of a lot of smartphones. Uh, a lot of the Android phones have it. Uh, Windows phones have it. Uh, nothing from from Apple yet. They've obviously got some other plans up their sleeve. But uh, Vodafone have been working on this internationally. Now we've seen in New Zealand uh, some things from two degrees, and uh, and most recently this year uh, a uh, a trial with uh, with Telecom that we, we've talked about in the past. Uh, Vodafone have have opened up this uh, this trial in New Zealand, and I believe in other markets. Uh, which looks as though it's fairly well developed. Doesn't look as though they're too far off actually launching a uh, product based on all the documentation and so on that they've uh, that they've they've shared with us. They've right down to fee structures and 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 so on. Um, now in New Zealand, they've partnered with um, I think it's actually on the on the back of their uh, Visa. And was it BNZ? Yeah, BNZ, and, and BNZ, BNZ, yeah. BNZ, yeah. Uh, so they've got them in, involved in the trial. And basically, what you can do is put the special SIM into uh, into an appropriate smartphone, which at this stage I think is just limited to uh, Android. So we've got it yeah. on a um, um, on a Galaxy S three at the moment. The uh, uh, the software. And this works a little bit differently to what we tried with Telecom. So um, what you do is you basically you link an existing credit card to the kind of the virtual uh, Visa card, and then you can you can move money off your existing credit card and load it onto uh, onto the embedded uh, Visa, and then you use the tap to pay at the supermarket or wherever it is that you want to uh, want to pay. And uh, you know the same sort of rules apply that with a standard uh, uh, tap to, uh, tap to pay or whatever the uh, the I mean Visa and Mastercard have their own uh, terminology for that, but that's what I call it. Um, you know, you tap your phone onto the uh, onto the terminal. Uh, any transaction under eighty dollars will just go through automatically. Over and above that, then you need to put in a PIN number. Um, something new though, I have seen with uh, with what Vodafone are doing here is you can set it up so it won't do a payment unless you've authorised it on screen first. So you can actually, you know, 
I think some people are a little bit worried with these new types of credit cards and with payments through the phone that you know someone could uh, you know bump past you and, uh, and and take money off your account. I'm not sure that's too likely because if there was a dodgy merchant doing that, there would soon it would soon become pretty clear uh, to Visa or to Mastercard or banks etc. Uh, that look this is a dodgy terminal. And none of the transactions are actually legitimate, and that'll be reversed anyway. But uh, I wonder if you could uh, just thinking about technology wise. I wonder if it would even allow it to do a multi tap. I wonder if you if it wouldn't actually allow you. Because did you mean that if they could tap to pay and then basically the receiver would kind of ping you twice? Uh, no, more the situation where you're walking in a crowd and someone's got a you know a portable <laughs> payment terminal with you, and, you know, just happen to bump up against you know bump, or a bump directional aerial on it so they don't have to get so close. Yeah, so yeah, the, 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 the drive yeah, by yeah, billing yeah, you those, those sorts of things, right? Mm. So, uh, but yeah, it would be pretty obvious once they've got a few complaints of people saying, "Hey, what's this transaction? Hey, what's that transaction?" Yeah. Uh, linked back to one terminal. So unless there's something uh, smart that hackers can do to uh, you know vary huh. the terminal number or something and it's not like hackers are smart and, and basically break uh, everything under the sun so no, no, I'm sure no. we're safe uh, but anyway so I thought that, w- that was that was unusual uh, but nice to have that option to be able to uh, uh, you know author- authorise you know when a payment's going to be made or, or, or not so uh, yeah. I'm going to say a few things that I find interesting about this is, is one thing for me is um, we, don't, we don't really talk about the other side which is the fact that the merchants now need to start having these <laughs> Like the amount of places I go that they don't have the the tap thing, I actually find quite astonishing. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's you know, it, it will roll out, and I think you know by the time these things become really mainstream, you know, within sort of yeah, you know, probably twenty four months, it'll be <laughs> it'll be pretty broad. But you've got to get from a place where you, you didn't have any to where yeah. they're everywhere. And the same pay, you know, way it once was with FPOS. You know, yeah. Lots of people didn't have FPOS. You know, now you can be, you know out at the beach somewhere and, the, and there's a guy yeah, with a little coffee cart set yeah. up or ice creams yeah. uh, and, and, he, and he's got yeah. a you know, mobile uh, you know, F-Boss credit card uh, uh, yeah. terminal yeah. and you know, it's, it's almost impossible to find someone that uh, yeah, doesn't doesn't take uh, you know FPOS type uh, type technology, right? And these things are, are much more widespread in Australia than they are here, which is unusual because usually yeah. we're we're yeah. well ahead of the Australians on adopting these things. But I, I use mine for the my um, I do when I can my payway for the the first mm. time today. First time I saw a, a event, you know, a, a mm. place with one that I wasn't going to spend uh, too much to be on the, the limit. Well, the, the other thing as well is, and I think um, it might be a, a, a trick that's missed so far is all these. And bloody loyalty cards we have I would love to have an NFC um, chip where I just loaded up all these loyalty cards because you know you get them from the coffee shop and you get them from everywhere and I hope that that's the next one because it's great that they're doing this I think maybe a way to get people used to it uh, would have been better to actually do the free solutions first right? so they get a, a sense of yeah I can use this I'm using this for my loyalty cards and then when you've got people used to that you go hey now how about using that for your payments as well yeah, and, and some of the solutions that we've looked at already have that type of capability that mm. they've been working on. And, uh, uh, Deployed? Vodafone are talking about this in, in some of the marketing material in some of the countries. They're talking about moving yeah. to loyalty cards in the future on this solution. Yeah, yeah. and the, the telecom one that we looked at had, had a sort of a, an area for that. I'm not sure it was all you know, fully rigged up yet. Yeah. Uh, but you know, those things are certainly, yeah, will, will come over, over time and... Yeah, I guess the most obvious one is the supermarket. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one because 
you know, you, you, you carry around those uh, flybys and yeah, the flybys one cards and, one and, cards and things like coffee that. Coffee shops. So, uh, yeah, if they can do all that stuff, that would be, uh, <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, now, a bit of announcement today from uh, from Microsoft around their new uh, their new Surface uh, devices. So they've uh, they've announced a whole new generation of uh, of services. Uh, the Surface RT product loses the RT name, just becomes a Surface Two, and then the new Surface Pro is just Surface Pro Two. Uh, but I guess the big bit around it was that there's a there's a broader range of accessories this time round. That will that will make uh, yeah, the the surface products I think much more uh, much more useful. So uh, first up, there's uh, there's a docking station available for uh, uh, for the Surface Pro series, and that'll work with the existing Surface Pros that are already uh, out in the uh, in the market. Uh, got a whole bunch of ports in there. Have you had a look at some of the details around these accessories, Alistair? I had a fairly cursory look at the coverage that The Verge had today. And uh, because I, I use a tablet device uh, when I'm mobile and travel a lot, and so a very small and light device, quite similar. I, I have a, a uh, Sony equivalent. Um, and when I come back into my apartment, I put it on a stand and plug it into an external uh, docking station. I think it's a, an excellent solution for being able to use the same device in two different form factors in two different locations. And I think the, the docking station is a, a great thing to have. Yeah, so uh, the docking station is going to launch in uh, in New Zealand. It's called um, uh, Docking Station for Surface Pro is the name I've got for it, uh, or Surface Pro Dock. Uh, now, it's not going to uh, it's not going to be available immediately though. That's um, and a few of the accessories have been uh, that are being announced aren't coming actually until uh, till early in the new year. Uh, Three, excuse me, three hundred and three hundred and ten dollars in the New Zealand market, uh, and that will include a power supply as well for the device. And that's broadly comparable with with what I've paid for a USB three equivalent device that, like this, has a connectivity for an external monitor and and the the usual USB ports and a wired Ethernet port. I presume that the new dock has a wired Ethernet port. It does indeed. Yeah, yeah. I must say, I actually really I don't have one myself. I actually really like the surfaces. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff that they've put in there that I would have expected. You know, if, if that would have come out and it would have been an Apple product, I would have gone, yep, makes sense. You know, the kickstand, the the keyboards, everything with that that makes it a device that is more. Because I've also, I'm like, I've got, I've got the iPad Mini. Love it. You know, great for reading yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, apart from that, it's not it's not it's not great that you couldn't use this laptop replacement. I actually really like the surfaces. I think they've done a good job. It's a shame that they haven't done better so far in the market, though. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's good to see that they're you know they're, they're certainly not quitting and no. they're uh, they're continuing to throw more at it. So the uh, the the key thing that we see that stood out for me anyway on the uh, Surface Two is it moves to a, a Tegra Four processor, uh, which enables a few things on it uh, in terms of new functionality. So the display now moves to a full HD, 1080p, so you know stunning wow. video. Um, they've improved. Uh, well, they've moved to USB. Three as well, so you know, really fast, uh, you know, connectivity there. Um, the front-facing camera is three and a half megapixel, uh, five megapixel uh, rear camera. Both of them able to do 1080p video. Um, so quite a jump there in terms of specs, mm. uh, which, which which is good. Uh, and it's going to come with the uh, 8.1 version of um, 
of Windows RT and with Office, and of course that's now going to include um, Outlook, which we didn't see on the uh, mm. the first uh, first generation. Uh, and then the Pro Two, uh, the main you know big big jump there uh, is the the inclusion. You know, it's again it's an i five processor, but this is the fourth gen or the, the Haswell generation, so uh, much improved uh, battery life from uh, from what what we're uh, you know reading sixty percent uh, improvement in battery life. And one of the accessories is what's called a power cover, which will be a uh, a cover with a keyboard in it that also uh, brings in uh, uh, it's the type the type cover style keyboard, uh, but includes a battery in it, and that'll uh, push up the battery life uh, by another uh, another fifty percent. So, uh, you know, we're talking uh, you know with with those two bits over over ten hours battery life. Yeah, and we've we've seen similar devices that the transformer from Asus and and some of the Samsung uh, Ata box that that glue together the the keyboard slice with battery, and it, it seems to be a really good thing because if you're just using the device around home for consuming, you you unplug it and you're quite happy with with having six hours of battery life. But if you then need to go and do a day's work, there you don't need to take a power supply if you've mm. got eight hours worth of battery life. It's, yeah a really sensible move yeah it's pretty handy and, and i think it was you know one of the things that a lot a lot of people were waiting for was this next generation of the surface because it's an amazing uh you know form factor for what is effectively a uh, you know a full-blown machine yeah but it was that uh low battery life that was uh that was a bit of a um you know a bit of an issue for for, for some so um just having a look at the pricing uh all of this stuff's been been released to us today so the uh the surface 2 is uh, going to be six four nine in New Zealand with the thirty two gigs worth of storage and seven nine nine for the sixty four. Uh, the Surface Pro two is going to start at fourteen forty nine. That's with one hundred and twenty eight gigs uh, of storage, and then there's a two fifty six gig model which is going to be eighteen hundred and seventy nine. Um, so they've they've moved up the uh, the the storage there. Uh, whereas before we had 64 and 128 models, it now start, you know, the the very bottom is 128. Wow. Uh, we're also hearing, I think, about a 512 gig model uh, launching in other markets. So, you know, I don't know whether that'll land here. Um, and in terms of accessories, that the um, uh, the new touch cover, which has uh, is actually thinner again from the existing one, which I'm not quite sure how they did that because it was already, uh, you know, a, about what you would expect for a for a, a cover on one of these things anyway. Uh, but that's slimmer again, and they've got backlit uh, keys in it, so that's kind of hmm. cool. And then there's a new type cover. Um, oh, the touch cover two hundred and eighty five dollars and two hundred dollars for the type cover uh, two, and again that's got uh, backlit uh, backlit keys. Hmm. Um, and there's a car charger uh, as well, eighty dollars, and um, that dock that we mentioned at at, at about three hundred and uh, three hundred and ten. Uh, w- waiting to hear about. Uh, the um, hold on. Oh, one other thing. The there is still actually going to be a um, sixty-four gig model, apparently, of the Surface Pro Two, but I don't know whether that'll be available in the New Zealand market because we haven't seen pricing. Uh, the the models with two fifty-six and five twelve were apparently coming uh, with eight gigs of RAM rather than four, so they'll be uh, you know definitely on the. 
on the uh, heavier end there in terms of uh, specifications. And the other bit that they're doing is they're throwing in um, a bunch of uh, SkyDrive uh, storage, 200 gigs of you know, cloud storage for two years, and uh, a Skype uh, account with, I think it's going to be uh, unlimited uh Unlimited Skype Wi-Fi, which is their their Wi-Fi service that you can uh, you know can you can use to uh, to get Wi-Fi out and about on uh, hotspots, uh, and uh, Skype calling to landlines in more than sixty countries uh, hmm. for uh, for one year as well. So they're really trying to take advantage of that broader ecosystem in two ways: one, to make it a value add that sort of convinces you that. You know, the price you're paying for the device is actually really good because you get these other things thrown in. But I think also to, to move more people into their ecosystem as far as, you know, away from the likes of Dropbox and into SkyDrive. And certainly if you're going to get 200 gigs worth of uh, worth of storage, that would be pretty tempting. Yeah, I think uh, the, the sheer volume of things that we end up putting on these cloud storage platforms make the, the free two or three gigs uh, disappears very fast yeah. and uh, larger volumes required. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it is going to be interesting. You're just back to that conversation we had previously about Apple as well. Again, you know, what's, what is their next move in this space? Because, again, I feel like they're... And, I, and we know we know that, that it's a leapfrog thing and then they'll come out and they'll absolutely, hopefully, they'll, they'll, they'll blitz it and keep the competition going. But I think that what they've got here is something that is a very viable competitor in what's becoming quite a tough market for people to enter. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've, we've seen something, you know, new in the last couple of years from Microsoft on on these things is that there, you know, it used to be that, you know, their platforms were exclusive and they would deliver things like, uh, you know, they delivered uh, Microsoft Office as an exclusive on Windows Phone. Uh, you know, they had SkyDrive support on Windows Phone only, in, you know, in terms of phones. But now all of these things, you know, Microsoft is pushing them out onto iOS, onto Android, on, onto Mac, onto every single platform that uh, that they can. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, you know pretty important for their their future that they make themselves as as accessible as possible. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's certainly good uh, good to see uh, more competition in in all of these areas. Um, you know, whether it, whether it's in that cloud storage or or otherwise. Uh, now on to digital uh, digital nations. Yes, <laughs> you you need to uh, f- fill us in now. The uh, this this is the first uh, digital nations event, isn't it? It's happening at uh, the Vector Arena in Auckland this weekend. Yeah. Um, so, kick, so when does it kick off? Yeah, so it starts. Um, VIP, those who got VIP tickets can get in from nine a.m. and they basically get an hour between nine and ten to um, get hand, hands on with all this. This is stuff. Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Yep, and then uh, and the same again on Sunday starts at nine a.m. for the VIPs. Um, uh, yeah, so New Zealand's first digital entertainment expo. I guess uh, what we've been trying to do is. Um, <laughs> It's frustrating. I mean, I'm from Sweden and, and just spent a lot of time in Europe and in the US. And and looking at the kind of um, preview events where you actually get to touch and play with stuff that isn't available. And uh, I've really missed that um, since moving here. And I haven't really understood the reason why it doesn't exist. So, um, you know, it's great with, with um, you know, pulp cu- culture kind of expos and things like that. But they don't fill that gap. It's not the focus. It's not what they do. And um, so, yeah, we looked at it. Um, we've had really tight time, uh, turnaround times on it. 
And uh, yeah, so we basically decided we wanted to get in here, do that this year, and uh, and get the guys on board. So you know, these Sony PlayStation and and Microsoft Xbox and everybody else has come on board, and and um, yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. Cool. So there's going to be you're going to have Xbox One there, yeah. PlayStation Four. Yeah. How accessible are they going to be? Fully playable. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to um, how many devices, uh, I think it's a good, a good indication is looking, um, I know Sony released a press release today saying they have about, uh, I think I believe it's eight games playable on PlayStation 4, and they're also doing Watch Dogs as a demo, so they're showing that off, but the other things are actually hands-on playing. Um, Xbox have uh, announced, um, I believe, even more titles than... Uh, than PlayStation have so far. I'm treading a little bit cautiously because I'm still I'm still dealing with some information that we have that uh, that we can't announce yet. But um, a highly accessible when it comes to the overall um, ability for people to play and actually engage and, and not just watch. Very 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 high. Very high. Great. Oh, that's really cool. And what are the other highlights? I mean, you've got speakers in from from various places. You know, mm. uh, talk, talking about. Um, um, you know, gaming and game production and and and, and various other things. What are, yeah. what are, what are well, the who are the highlights there? Other well, than uh, we've got Kim dot com yeah, uh, plugged in our, uh, our our local gaming and uh, and all sorts of um, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, let's stick to that. <laughs> <laughs> all sorts of celebrity. Yeah, yeah. no, um, and I think I think it's very important for us, obviously, not to just rely on one thing. I think we could have quite successfully just gone. Look, it's it's two months before the launch of of the products and you can get in here and play and that would have been quite good but we actually wanted to add things that would add even more value and make people think this is outstanding so um speakers like you said mentioned international speakers from epic games naughty dog um crytech capcom um you know an impressive lineup of international and national speakers as well so grinding gear games you know those kind of guys got a couple of workshops that we're running um on augmented reality and mobile filmmaking uh, oculus rift um an absolutely amazing, outstanding device, and got a lot of those that people can play around with. Oh, that's cool! Very, very cool. And and, and there's some uh, some New Zealand um, game developers there as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we've got Telecom Homegrown, which is basically um, Telecom is working with the New Zealand Gamers Development Association, and they've they've created this um, they've created this environment where um, the game developers get to come in and show off their wares we've got 20 of them coming in and they'll do it in 10 stands so basically they get half a day each which is is great for them and great for us to have them on board um and it's ability for new zealand to really showcase some of these amazing talents and then grounding your game would be one of the ones that lead the pack on that i would argue um, and this is going to be an, an interactive with the audience as well. It's not just going to be a stand up and say, "Hey, here's something wonderful we've done." No, no they've actually a- they've actually got stands, so you can go up. They've got um, screens with laptops. They'll be able to show you the games that they've got. Some of them are very indie, you know, and it will be almost like that indie game movie kind of thing where you'll see some stuff that's absolutely crazy. I'm, I think I'm not entirely 100 percent sure made it in, but we've got a, I think it's a wheelchair simulator, or there's like a game, like an actual game. A guy who's disabled actually created a game for for that, which was amazing. With some Oculus Rift games from Kiwi developers, and um, yes, yeah, so the Telecom have been great. They've they've come on board and and really kind of fronting that homegrown stuff. And on the other side, we've got LG who've been great and are fronting the the speaker side. So you know, it's, we've got these great partners in as well who've really helped um, build that kind of. Um, the content that we've asked for. I mean, we really wanted it to be content heavy as much as we could in in this kind of show. Uh, Kim.com on stage, um, battling it out against 100 people on the Sunday. 
uh, modern modern warfare will be absolutely hilarious to watch on all counts. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, it sounds like a really uh, really fun week weekend. Mm, absolutely, and I mean for us, it's it, we've tried it to not price it out of the market as well. So you know, adults are nineteen dollars and and a student's fourteen bucks for a day, and you know, going and, and being one of the first in New Zealand to play on on Xbox One and PlayStation Four and listen to speakers and participate in free workshops and play Oculus Rift and see everything else. You know, we've got. A, Video console museum, which is you know great for us, obviously b- being um, in a position where we probably have a nostalgic relationship to gaming, which the young kids might not have yet, and they'll appreciate when they get to that stage. Um, but I can't wait to see the Odyssey consoles and the Sega Master Systems and all of this kind of stuff that these guys are bringing in as well. So that's going to be fun. Sega Master System, that's not old school. It goes back further <laughs> than that. Um, but no, that 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 does that sounds uh, that sounds good. So uh, Vector Arena yep. um, now. Tickets? Do you buy them online? Yeah, do you just, buy them you from just turn up at the door? Or? We'd, um, I would suggest buy them online. They're still available online. Definitely buy them online. You don't have to have your paper ticket on the door either. It works fine showing the mobile barcode or the, the email that you get with the barcode is fine. Um, I'd, I'd, if you're not wanting to miss out on any of the speakers and you wanted to make sure that you get in the door, we know that walk-ups tend to be the thing that people do on expos because it's on the weekend. They go, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to go to the Digital Nations Expo. Um, great in theory. In practice, I think you'll want to be through those doors as soon as you can and getting your handles on a controller. Good. All right. Well, uh, we'll be looking looking forward to uh, having a look over the over it this weekend. Now, um, a bunch of gadgets that have sort of passed passed through our way uh, recently, and uh, what should we have a look at first? Now, we've got a new uh, new Ultrabook here from um, Asus. Now, um, Alistair, you were you were having a look at this one uh, this one earlier. This just got uh, announced earlier on in the month at um, IFA in uh, in Berlin. It's not going to be available, uh, I think, probably commercially for uh, you know maybe sort of December timeframe. Um, what, what's your uh, what's your take on it? First up, I mean, this is a pretty high end uh, Ultrabook, isn't it? It is. This is the uh, new UX301 is the one that we have, which is the, the lowest speak of the two new ones. It's the successor to the UX31 that I nearly bought last time I bought a laptop, uh, but that one didn't do touch, and Windows 8 being new, I wanted touch. The new one does do touch. This has got a full HD screen and a 13-inch uh, form factor. Um, Peter's casually holding it in, in two fingers at the moment because it is that Ultrabook size. One of the funny things is is that the top cover of it, the outside of the lid, is actually Gorilla Glass, glass rather than the spun aluminium or spun whatever it was that uh, was the uh, the Zenbook trademark. But it, it looks to be a very nice device. It's 8 gigs of RAM, a uh, Core i7 CPU in it. The higher end one has a, a really high def, one of those mu- multiplied pixel uh, displays. It's, it's something like 5 megapixels worth of screen display. And, and has a discrete graphics card in it as well, and that looks to be a very interesting device, although I imagine you'll spend a little bit of money getting getting that in your hands. Yeah, well, both of these are pretty, uh, you know, the the, uh, the the new ZenBook is a pretty high-end uh, device, so, yeah, they're talking it being available, you know, this one's the full HD display, uh, but also in what they call... WQHD, which is um, <laughs> 2,560 pixels by 1,440 uh, pixels. And we are starting to see a number of devices come through with these types of uh, resolutions and even higher up to uh, yeah, 3,200 
I think with the new um, a, uh, new uh, Samsung one coming through. So uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty impressive uh, hardware. And because it's using the uh, the fourth gen uh, core core processor, has well, uh, yeah, pretty power efficient and uh, a reasonably sort of slim and uh, and light machine. You know, SSD storage and so on. Uh, one of the first of the um, new uh, Windows, I guess, devices to come through with the uh, AC wireless or, or the gigabit wireless. Uh, so we're now starting to see, uh, and I think we'll see that with a lot of the other ultrabooks, will come through with that, uh, you know, much much improved uh, uh, Wi-Fi p- performance, which you know becomes essential, uh, you know, once you start wanting to, uh, you know, not plug in an Ethernet cable. Yeah. Although, still bear in mind that when we say gigabit wireless, it's actually nowhere near that. Usually, <laughs> usually in practice, those are the sort of the theoretical numbers, right? When was the last time you had any speed on any? device that actually lived up to what it said on the box yeah very it's like true a, it's like a big mac isn't it you look at it, it looks absolutely <laughs> beautiful until you get handed it i mean this is a beautiful device though it looks absolutely stunning and i i think it you know it's good to see you know a, a vendor like a asus which you know a few years ago was you know was was pretty famous for it for their uh uh, their their netbooks and they were they were pretty cheap and nasty sort of looking yeah. pieces of you know of hardware you know it just looked like really cheap plastic and so on and now we are seeing really nice premium uh, gear and that never used to be a hallmark of uh, you know PC or Windows hardware it was always you know just an exclusive domain yeah. of Apple yeah. to have this premium gear. Uh, I think the price on this is going to be fairly premium when we see it launched in New Zealand. We don't have anything, uh, you know, confirmed yet. It is at it is at that uh, uh, that certainly at that higher end. But um, yeah, very 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 nice looking piece of hardware. That's for sure. It's interesting as well, actually, on that note, the fact that they've added audio by Bang Olufsen in it as well, which is clearly again just that that wanting to be associated with a premium brand. You know that 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 to me is a, just another indication, like you said, that they they're wanting to be that sexy kind of mm. device. Mm. I mean, I don't Gorilla Glass on the outside. I that's, mean, that's a straight style thing. And yeah, I believe HP have been doing a bit of that themselves yeah. as well. So you know, it, it may be the fashionable thing to do is to put glass over metal. Do we? It's certainly unnecessary, though, isn't it? And, and replaceable or. How are we? Do yeah, we, yeah. Do what we do you do when you break much, it? Because I mean, Gorilla Glass to me has become almost um, <laughs> like, I, for some reason, I have this feeling I've had devices for years and years and years, and I never had any problems with them breaking. And then yeah, yeah. since they started putting, and I'm not saying that it's because of the Gorilla Glass at all, because it's, yeah. it's good. But it is interesting to see within the last few years the amount of devices with broken screens. It just seems to be exploding quite literally so do you put it on an entire laptop on the front and how do you replace this if it breaks and also because it's an ultrabook and it's so slim there is so little actual solid meat to the the the, the lid yeah. that it actually does concern me that's, yeah. that's i would a bit be worried about it, it whereas yeah. the, the, the outgoing model with a, a more steel or more metal in that lid i think uh, felt a little more solid although not a huge amount more solid yeah Oh uh, well, it look it certainly looks nice, and it I does, think absolutely. I think we'll find out over time how you know how uh, how tough they are. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, this yeah. one looks like it's been uh, you know be you know bounced around all over the place over, <laughs> over you know 
Um, and it, it is the uh, engineering pre-production sample model, so yeah, it's been through a lot of reviewers. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, it's had a few hands on it uh, between Australia and uh, and having just, just arrived in New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, no, it look, looks, looks good, and it's still certainly still in one piece, so uh, a good sign. Now, a few other bits uh, from ASUS. They've got, um, actually, and we haven't got it, we haven't got it here, but we were just having a look uh, earlier on uh, at uh, a new gaming laptop they've also got coming through which which looks uh you know very much in the vein uh of the uh the what's dell's gaming alienware. brand alienware that's, alienware. that's exactly my for. thought on the style uh, very, very sort of alienware type uh type type styling uh on uh on their new uh their new gaming laptop so if you're interested in that sort of really uh high spec gaming laptop then uh worth having a look at what they've got coming into the market as well um, but a couple of other um tablets here we've got their uh uh memo pad um hd7 which is a sort of a lower end 7 inch uh tablet there with uh um yeah sort of yeah typical sort of specs you know front front and rear camera look look quite reasonable uh 1.2 megapixel front facing camera 5 megapixel sort of rear facing uh yeah 1080p uh video the uh the the HD7 is coming in at $279 so a sort of a, a I guess a, a mid sort of price point shall we say in terms of uh uh, nice pink one you got in terms of pricing, all sorts of colours. So we've got pink, and uh, there's a sort of a fluoro green one here, but also available in uh, uh, more conservative colours. And it seems to be a, a nice, solid, chunky um, seven-inch laptop. It's not a, a tiny, thin device. Uh, I wouldn't be so concerned about letting my kids use it. Um, mm. My kids are a little, little older; they they took, take care of gear now. But when they were a little younger, you'd be concerned about giving them an, an eight millimeter thick lapped um, tablet and be worried that it'd get damaged. These are coming at a price point where you wouldn't be so concerned, and and they feel solid enough that they might even bounce occasionally when dropped by a child. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the uh, the the accessory sort of covers and things. One of them, which which acts as a stand, uh, yeah, look quite good, and and um, I think will be pretty reasonably reasonably priced here, sort of you know thirty forty dollars uh, type range. So that's the HD seven, um, and then they've got the um, Mimo Pad uh, FHD ten, which is a full HD uh, screen and a um, Atom uh, processor in it. Uh, 1.6 gigahertz. Um, yeah, looks looks quite nice. Similar sort of uh, camera and uh, and so on. And I think that one's uh, going to be the model they're launching in New Zealand. Uh, 32 uh, gigs worth of storage, 499 dollars for sort of 10 inch. So reasonably sort of typical, uh, you know, pricing pricing there. Uh, you know, not tip, not aiming right at the top end of the market. Uh, you know, aiming, I guess, at a pretty accessible price point. So, yeah. Yeah, and I've been using the, the device right through the show uh, to keep, read all of the news on it. I hadn't realised that it was an Atom-based tablet. This is the first time I've had an Android device with a, a non-ARM CPU in it and runs beautifully. Um, the the high-def display is nice. I mean, the the resolution is, is more than full HD. It's it's according to the specs here, 1920 by 1200, which is... That's right. Uh, <laughs> a, Pretty high res screen for this this size of device, and I think uh, you know what what we're you know from from what we're hearing, we're going to see you know many more of these devices come through 
that have got an Intel, uh, you know, processor inside them rather than uh, the, the ARM chips that we've seen in, in the past. And, uh, yeah, that's where you know, Intel just seem to be putting a huge amount of effort into making sure that they're, they're able to compete strongly, really, in, in, in every area that they play in. It's um, a really nice device. It is. And another perspective on it is that because it's the same CPU that you could run Windows on, it should lower the engineering cost to develop new tablets because you just develop one common right. platform and push onto it the operating system of choice at the, the at ship time or potentially even give customers the choice of operating system when they buy the device. Yeah, I think there are probably a couple of sort of small te- technical challenges in terms of the differences, but uh, yeah, there were, I'm pretty sure one of the devices that I looked at at, uh, at CES, there was basically you know two identical products, one which had Android, one that had Windows. Uh, certainly, some of the engineering, um, you know, dem- demonstration products and so on from Intel, uh, yeah, we're, we're you know we're we're identical between uh, you know whichever operating mm. system. So yeah, I think that's that's probably a, a good point there, Alistair, and uh, yeah, we'll will undoubtedly make it easier for uh, yeah f- for uh, manufacturers to put uh, put windows on these uh, yeah tablets and particularly the smaller form factor ones and eventually lead to us having cheaper devices to buy because there's less engineering effort that's what we're hoping for yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're always looking or, or for cheaper mar- devices or more margin now uh, now samsung uh, continuing to bring bring a lot of new uh, a new lot of new products uh, to market now we've been playing around with the uh, new version of the galaxy note the galaxy note uh, 3 and i've been on that for um, for a little while and uh, yeah pretty impressed with it actually it, it certainly uh, is really really snappy enjoying the move to a full HD screen uh, which the previous you know note note didn't have uh, you've got the screens bumped up a little bit from that original five and a half inch processor to 5.7 uh, inch and the device itself doesn't seem to be uh, you know really noticeably much different in terms of uh, in terms of size I don't think it's really grown you know some it, slight it's marginally larger but it's th- in terms of profile but thinner and uh, Note 2 has been my daily drive for the last nearly a year and that f- the uh, Note 3 feels significantly smaller in my hand yeah and uh, what do you think about the back the um, the plastic back that actually looks like it's uh, stitched leather it um, reminds me of the, the original Nexus 7's back that was Steve McQueen's uh, driving glove feel. I, I think that, <laughs> that, that same sort of meme is, is going on in here of looking quite sophisticated. It, it works fairly well for me. I, I like the look I, of the style. I actually, and the, I actually prefer it to even, I mean, looking at my Samsung Ga- um, Galaxy 4 and I'm, I'm comparing it, I actually probably would rather... I it actually. Yeah, it's um, it's really nice. I was actually surprised when I heard about it. I thought, oh, that's That'll disgusting. Be so nice. Yeah, that is really gonna is just gonna but it, but it look works. silly. But it actually looks fine. Yeah, I was, no, it does, I was surprised. So um, it's it's a bit retro style that I, I think I've seen a couple it, of other it, things that have the chrome and leather feel. You're right. It, do, yeah. it does feel a bit like early 1960s. PDAs. Yeah. Like it, it, feel, it feels like you know when they, it was the you know executive guy who had the you know fake mahogany. Panelling in his car, I was sitting there chain smoking. Somehow it brings back a little bit of that feeling. And but the, they get the away with it. Facts as well, yeah. with the leather cover. Exactly the leather file. But they get away with it. I think. I think it. I actually yeah. think it really works. Yeah. And it's got to be better than Gorilla Glass on both sides of a phone, right? So has to be. Yep. 
so next up is the uh, the Galaxy Tab 3. Now, uh, we've got here the 8-inch uh, model. There's a 7-inch, 8-inch, and 10-inch. Uh, now, the 7-inch, I believe, comes in at a, uh, at a reasonably, uh, reasonably sharp price of, uh, what's that letting it, $299, so not a whole lot more than the, um, the ASUS. Uh, the 8-inch comes in at $479, and the 10.1-inch uh, the at $549. Uh, so quite a variance there in pricing, but I think the difference is in the 8-inch uh, the and the 10-inch from the details we've been given is both of those have uh, LTE, uh, 3G and LTE capability on, uh, on board. Uh, so that's the, uh, I guess that's sort of the big, the big benefit that uh, you can you can use them on the go. What are your uh, impressions of I, uh, of I, this? I love it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's, it's a good form factor. It's isn't a it? great form factor. I mean, it, the thing is with these devices, the reason why I never bought the first iPad is, I, I still see the function of it being an e-reader as being something I really like to be able to do with it, and. This here, from a, from a weight perspective, and actually just from the format itself, fills that that promise of actually being able to do that while using it for for other things as well. You know, I I actually do believe that that's it's a it's a great it's a great little device. Yeah, I, th- I think this seven eight inch space is the really good consumption device where yeah. you can watch a video on it, you can yeah. read a document. It doesn't have to be an EPUB document; it can be a, a proper PDF document. It's, it's one of the reasons I've now got my uh, Mac Mini, uh, my iPad Mini, yeah. is, is so that I can read PDF documents. I also have a Kindle. I use that for reading fiction. Mm. But I don't can't watch a movie on it. I no, can't, no. can't read the newspaper on it so easily. It's you know, whereas the um, seven inch tablet seems to be a great form for it. Yeah, and yeah. the and the eight inch really isn't is is a good size too, isn't it? Because this this one's the eight inch. Oh, is this the eight and, inch? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. So that's got the SIM card slot on the uh, on the side, which. I believe the seven uh, doesn't doesn't have that, so that's the sort of probably the key difference in terms of there being a big uh, price difference between those uh, those, those those models. But and it's got uh, a, cl- a clear and, and a really bright display, a very vibrant display, which I think is extremely important. And, and as you said as well, for the that kind of video playing when you're travelling or whatever you might be doing, I mean, this is perfect. Yeah, I think uh, good good, you know. Pretty good products. Um, we're talking uh, 16 gigs of RAM across, uh, or 16 gigs of, of, of storage in uh, in both of these uh, in both of these models. Um, so yeah, not uh, not massive, but they're 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 ex- extendable and uh, you know micro SD, and that seems to sort of be becoming the uh, becoming the you know the norm uh, in the in the in the tablets anyway. Um, you know, more often than not, they've got this type of uh, type of storage certainly yeah. as a starting point. And I think in other markets you'll see you know a bit more variety. But New Zealand being a, a smaller market, we don't necessarily see all the different sizes. Mm. Uh, yeah, launched launched here locally. Um, Although Samsung do tend to bring all most of their devices here, we we see a huge number. You see the stands and the in the re- big box retailers with you know, eight different Samsung devices, different forms. They have the notes they. Uh, the tabs, the the, uh, I mean the yeah, they are yeah, devices. No, it's, it's a it's a good. I, I like it. I'm yeah. All right, well, um, we're probably, uh, we've run a little bit longer than uh, we probably planned to, but uh, but that's us for this episode. So thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, now, guys, where do, we, uh, where do we find you online, uh, Alistair? 
My online brand is all Demitas, which is my company name. So my Twitter handle is at DemitasNZ. And you can find me uh, blogging at Demitas.co.nz amongst a number of other places. Oh, very good. Well, I, I must say, I've, I've started this whole tweeter thing. The tweet, I tweet at things. And tweet the people tweet at me. So DNZ Pete is, is where you can find me. And I will tweet at you, hopefully, if you tweet at me. And I also, obviously, Digital Nations uh, with a Z at the end dot com or digitalnations.co.nz. Um, that's where we hang out. That's, that's for the show coming up this weekend. But, um, yeah, find me, find me in the Twitter sphere. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, thanks, guys, for joining us. You can also track me down uh, at Paul Spain on, uh, on Twitter, and I'm across uh, you know, Google Plus and, uh, and, and, and so on Facebook as well. Uh, and you can find the NZ Tech Podcast online at nztechpodcast.com. Uh, we're at NZ Tech Podcast on Twitter uh, and uh, facebook.com slash NZ Tech Podcast. So uh, look forward to hearing from you in any of those places. Or just drop us an email, uh, feedback at uh, nztechpodcast.com. All right, see ya.